I've been wanting to do that, like Joe Rogan, like three, two, one. Hey, how's how's it going, man? You know, I've been listening to too much of him, I think, but I listened to a cumulative six hours of Elon Musk interviews. I was like, while I was puzzling, I just got way too, way too deep. Um, so I've emerged and back in public talking to you. Really grateful you're here. Hey, Maria. Um, hey, thanks for being here. So I am really extra excited about this interview because it marks a little bit of a shift with where I'm taking answer the call this year, which is, I really wanted to have kind of catch up conversations with some of my, can I say it, favorite podcast guests who have been on in the past, because we normalize in interviews and typical podcast episodes, having this big picture, one-time event view of somebody's career stories, but you're a mover and shaker that I absolutely love keeping up with, love having fascinating conversations with. You always have, um, new learnings or new things that you're processing. So I'm really excited and grateful that we're going to have more of a granular view of what your year's been like and what you have ahead. So let's dig into it with just the basic. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you live and what you're up to. Oh my gosh. Okay. My name is Maria Pope. Very excited to be here, Kelsey. It's always such a joy to chat with you. Um, so yes, my name is Maria. I'm from Texas originally. I went to Texas A&M. Whoop. Uh, I now currently live in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill with three of my best friends, which is just too much fun. Um, but I work in the startup world for a private investing company called Republic. Uh, and work in community management. So I work with a group of investor, VC investors, accelerators, um, and ecosystem builders, and they bring a steel flow to the platform and I, you know, keep them happy. We do programming and events and things like that, just to show our appreciation and, you know, help them get to know other mission aligned investors in the ecosystem. So that's my day job, but I have many, uh, you know, side idea hustles that are always, (laughs) always happening. Um, so anything like community related in DC, I'm all over that. Uh, anything, you know, women's empowerment, financial empowerment, all over that. Um, And then I guess another thing about me that is just fun is I love to connect people, uh, whether that's just for networking conversations or jobs. So that's kind of another thing I do in my spare time and what I'm up to. Yes, constantly. I I feel like you have eight brains that are always going on different tasks. You're like this micro empire and then this micro empire. And especially the, what you mentioned about being a connector, you're like the super connector, super connector that I know. Uh, So I, hey, bookmark. So I remember this. I want to ask you about your passion for uh, financial empowerment, especially for women, that and personal finance and investing strategy is something that I'm a lot more, uh, it's something I'm diving into a lot more now. So we definitely should touch back on that. But for now, um, I would love to process more of an achievement that you made in the last couple of months, you shifted from your previous role with Black Girl Ventures and other, well, actually, I would love to for you to just describe to make sure that it's accurate or the best description of what you did at that company. But another one of those, just honestly, when you look at your LinkedIn, which go follow her, Maria Pope, you're like, she works for like the coolest places. And so I want to 
um, hear a little bit more about when you, what made you decide it was time to look for something new and what you saw in this role at Republic that was like, yes, this is the thing. So tell us a little bit more about BGV, what you did there and why you decided it was time to move. Yeah, definitely. So uh, Black Girl Ventures is a donation-based crowdfunding platform. It's a nonprofit and they explicitly support Black and Brown female entrepreneurs, which is you know, a super amazing mission. I am Hispanic, although I am very white presenting. So <laughs> yes. um, that definitely resonated with me as far as, you know, being a Latina woman and, uh, you know, just so many others out there that are incredible founders, have such an amazing skill set, have such an amazing drive and connection to the mission of these companies that they're building, but, you know, maybe are having facing some barriers when it comes to fundraising. And so anyway, I was super, you know, attracted and enamored by the mission of Black Girl Ventures, which is why I ended up applying. And then I think I was number seven full time whenever I joined. So, you know, it was awesome to be helping startups, but then also for our company to be a startup and to really be, you know, see this nonprofit grow from the ground up and be a part of, you know, not just building the company, but also the company culture. So anywho, Love Black Girl Ventures. I had, you know, quite a few different roles there. Started off in partnerships. So working with our, you know, big corporate sponsors that, you know, are really awesome and support our mission financially and also through volunteering, um, having their their employees volunteer. Wow. And anyway, so that was, you know, really great. But I kind of realized early on, man, I really want to work more with entrepreneurs themselves, be closer to the, you know, mission that we're serving. And so, um, was able to move into a community success role. That was originally, I was the first person on that team. Uh, and by asking for it, like these things don't just fall in your lap. And it's amazing. Again, if you look at your LinkedIn, you pivoted three times within that company within a solid year. Also, can I mention that when you got, everybody's like, oh, I want a job at a startup. That sounds so cool. You moved to DC without a job. You're like, I could totally do this. I think you're 23 at the time. Am I right? I was 23. Okay. And (laughs) you send the most baller, like you taught me things when you were like, Hey, by the way, I did this and it totally worked. And you should tell your clients about it. You (laughs) made a loom video, which everyone should look up loom. It's free. L O O M. Um, and you just gave your verbal cover letter in a minute or less and sent it to like the info at, you know, company email address gets a response from the CEO the next day, which would you ever expect that you would get an email from the founder and CEO from sending it to a generic email address, but they were just, and I love how actually, um, I can't remember. Oh, I was listening to another podcast episode that you were on. Um, and you were like, I was in my outdoor voices exercise dress. I was like, oh, we know, we know you're like, I'm just going to do it, which is so much your attitude. So anyway, I just want to highlight that because I, another, another element I want to bring to our conversation is awareness of everyone. Uh, I think that we might be tempted to think of job searching in a very generic way. It looks like me getting on LinkedIn. It looks like me going to the company name uh, slash careers page and then just applying and waiting and seeing if I hear back. Instead, you take a very relational approach and you do things that are just 
not that big of a deal, but it's just the extra mile and it impresses people so much that you swing a startup role when that wasn't your background before and you're 23 in a new city. And then you, to go back to the point that I was asking you about, you were continued to be entrepreneurial in that role and within a year shifted your position three times. So can you tell us a little bit about how you actually asked for the responsibility and role title changes each time? Yeah, definitely. So I think there's definitely a element of asking for what you want and then also just being attuned to opportunities you know, understanding the business needs of wherever you are, whether that's within your own team, um, maybe there's an opportunity for advancement there, whether that's, you know, on a larger project that that's multi-department, you know, that people are working on and just the company at large, especially when it's so small, like BGB, you know, you're so, so much more aware of, you know, company initiatives, goals, and where there may be some holes that you could possibly fill. So, um, I don't know if I'm remembering this exactly correctly at this point. It's been a while, but uh, it was definitely a combination of, you know, asking to work more directly with founders, asking uh, to take on, you know, different responsibilities and just being willing to learn. Right. So, for instance, one thing I can definitely speak to as an example is uh, we had some events where we needed an MC, somebody to host, you know, kind of be the person the face of the company in some of these volunteer events. And I hadn't honestly really done a ton of that before, but I just wanted to learn and, you know, love hosting people in daily life. So why not try in this business setting? And I ended up doing that and loving it. And, uh, you know, got some affirmation from leadership that that was, you know, a skill set that I could bring to the table and started doing a lot more hosting uh, and facilitating of our events. And so, and that continues to be what I do now in my new job. Um, so definitely don't be afraid to ask. Another one that I can think of example wise is, uh, specifically was we had an accelerator program. And so it's about six weeks, you know, teaching some of the fundamentals of business to some of these amazing founders and our, you know, founder and CEO had been running it, but she, you know, no longer had capacity to do that. And we were kind of on a call, you know, the whole team and, it was kind of a question, like, who's going to run this, you know? And I obviously, you know, there was a moment of panic there. Cause I was like, I really want to do this, but I don't know how to ask. Like, and then I was like, you know what? You're never going to get something that you don't ask for. So I like just raised my hand. You know, I was a little timid. I'll be honest. It wasn't all like, like the confidence. zoom raise hand feature. <laughs> oh, I think Maria has something to say. Yeah. Maria. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're probably verbal. Well, no. And I just said, and I think this is you know, I don't know. It's, I think it's good to talk openly about these things because like I said, I wasn't just coming out with like 110% confidence. You know, I said, you know, I said with confidence, but I said, Hey, I'm really interested in doing this. Um, I'd be happy to learn and take this on. If you think, you know, if it's not the right time for me, if you think it's not a great fit, I totally understand. But I just want to say that I am interested and I'm raising my hand to, you know, put effort and energy into making this initiative successful not thinking they were going to give it to me. Obviously I was like, wow, I just really made a fool of myself in front of our, you know, our, our team, but it turns out that, you know, she took a chance on me and I got to have that experience of helping run and facilitate our accelerator, which was, you know, invaluable and just helped me learn so much about program management, um, and working directly with founders and helping coach them through, you know, curriculum and, um, and just the struggles that they face, you know, and how we can support them in their journey. So definitely ask for what you want and don't be afraid. When you see those windows of opportunity, take them and just leap. Even if you fall, you will get up. 
<laughs> yes, you're not gonna die. And you're thank you die. so much for humanizing that moment because we could, if you didn't tell the details of what it was like to be in that meeting, it's just another highlight reel of look, this young, quick start, ambitious professional just keeps on quote, raising her hand for opportunities. How many times have we heard that? But we um, don't always do it because it's really scary. And uh, there's uh, more thoughts probably running a lot faster in the background that say, okay, yeah, that's cool. But what if I make a fool of myself? Oh, they wouldn't pick me. They know about how I just messed up last week and I got hard feedback and no, that's probably just not possible. But to me, there's something so much more that we could, so much bigger that we could learn from you in this moment is that really a need was presented. There was a problem. There was a capacity issue. There was a need for growth a need for somebody else to step up. And it wasn't just about you wanting another opportunity for your own career advancement. Somebody needed help and you were like, yeah, I think I could do it. Do you want me to step into that? And try. I, I would also, try. <laughs> yes. And I would also love for people to extrapolate that lesson into their job search, because I think so many uh, are really understandably pretty scared to go after, especially women, a job that, you know, the classic stats, men will apply for jobs that they have as about 60% of the requirements met for, and women will wait until they have 90 to 100%. Um, and to me, the insecurity shows that you really care and shows that you will likely translate that care into being vigilant and doing ultimately a good job. And so, just offering up, hey, I'm a really conscientious, resourceful person that has a real hunger and desire for this role. That speaks so much. If you just put your hat in for it, you're actually really serving a, a potential employer by giving them the opportunity to hire you and get your help. So I like how you demonstrated that too in this internal transfer. And so Okay, cool moments at BGV. You decide that you want to work more with entrepreneurs. And I'm assuming that Republic, I think I heard you say, was really an answer to that. But how did you go about looking for a new opportunity, finding Republic as your next company that you ultimately moved on to? How did you land that job? Yeah, no, definitely. And I guess one thing I would add to the conversation about you know, taking opportunities or leaps of faith is there's a, a woman that has a podcast um, in a company called Jessica Honiger, and she has one of her taglines of going scared. And I mm -hmm. think that's a great way to summarize like a lot of my experiences in life, right? It's not that I wasn't scared. I surely was. <laughs> um, but I knew that like the cost of not doing that or not asking or not having that important conversation that you're scared to have was greater than, you know, whatever I was feeling in that moment. So yes. anyway, just, I, just no less than yes, yesterday, yesterday, our mutual friend, Arianne and I were texting and she was on the podcast too, episode 10, way back. Uh, we were texting and I was like, my pit sweat TMI is like unprecedented. This is like of biblical proportions. Cause I just pitched to like three new places that I wanted to speak at. 
And she's like, you have to do it. Uh, more like, she's always like, you have such a gift, just like so nice. But I was like, that felt like dying inside, actually. I hate oh. that putting out the opportunity or giving myself the opportunity to be rejected. So I very much relate to this topic. And it sounds all glamorous in the end when you get inevitably the numbers game, you get some yeses and all those no's. And it's like, oh, that was amazing. I was like, well, that's funny. It actually feels like terror and dying a lot of the time but you just go for it anyway no it it absolutely does and you know okay I'm sorry one last thing on this train and then we can talk about republic but I think it's super interesting I feel like a lot of friends similar ages you know early 20s mid 20s um you know it's all these straight up late now (laughs) yeah late sorry (laughs) you know early to late 20s whatever but all these really high achieving people that are so thoughtful, you know, so curated in the way that they live their life, the way they spend their time and energy. And I feel like there's just this phenomenon that I've noticed in myself and others that anytime, you know, we hear no, or we hear rejection, you know, it almost like freaks us out and we almost want to run the other way or think that that opportunity is like completely not for us. And I really don't think that's true. I think what I've seen over time is that a lot of times, you know, when you are facing like a rejection or a no or a closed door, it's not actually that you shouldn't go that way. It's that you're actually getting so close to what God really has for you that like the devil knows that and is like, you know, trying to trip you up and make you confused and second guess yourself, which is just not of the Lord. So anyway, I would just share that as well is obviously there are some doors that do shut, but um, I wouldn't take just one shut door as a complete no, you know, you need to like take that into the greater context of your life and the story that God is writing um, to understand, you know, whether you need to retry the next cycle, whether that's, you know, grad school or an organization, you know, some of the most impactful organizations I was ever in, in life and specifically in college, um, I was rejected from the first time. And it could have been so easy to just take that no and, and just, you know, feel bad for myself, but it actually, you know, (laughs) invigorated a desire to, uh, in a reality that, oh, wow, I really do want this because I'm sad that I got rejected, you know, but I'm going to work, work hard the next time to apply and see if that door opens. And it did, you know, this is straight up for me. Thank you, Maria. You inspire (laughs) me all the time. Um, so yeah, let's, I know we've been teasing, but like, how did the new job happen? So how did it actually happen? Yeah. So yeah, here's the tea. So <laughs> I worked at, uh, you know, Black Row Ventures for almost a year. And like I said, love the mission, love the people, best team in the world, truly like cannot speak highly enough of the, the colleagues that I had there. And also uh, just the founders we worked with, you know, so many amazing opportunities, you know, they are just on such a trajectory towards success as a company. And it was such an honor and a privilege to be a part of that, you know, during the time that I was there. So I did start thinking, you know, towards, I don't know, the end of that year that I was, you know, interested in finding a new job and more so, you know, wanting to learn. So I I had pivoted inside of VGV to work more closely with our entrepreneurs. And then once I was doing that, I realized, you know, hey, this is awesome. And I love, you know, working one-on-one with founders, but I'm realizing, you know, I don't have this background. I'm not an analyst, right? I don't crunch numbers. I don't do modeling for, you know, early stage companies, And so I was wondering, you know, what's this other skill set that I can bring to the table to enable these founders to thrive? And something that I realized was, you know, I wasn't necessarily a number cruncher, but I definitely could build relationships and introduce people, you know, to potential funders, you know, in the community and in in the greater network of the startup world. And so that kind of made me realize, okay, I want to move 
and I want to learn more about the investing side of startups because I want to be able to uh, introduce and connect founders with you know their next funders. So all that to say, uh, I was looking for something that was you know a little more investment focused than the role that I had at BGB, and was Republic had always been on my radar. You know, I was always following them on LinkedIn. I just thought what they're doing was really awesome. You know, we were doing donation-based crowdfunding. They do equity-based crowdfunding. So very similar model, but you know, they do take, um, it is, you know, a, an investment that the investors will, you know, receive back um, when that startup has a liquidation event. So, you know, super just excited by the model. I think crowdfunding in general is an awesome way to democratize access to capital. Um, and especially on the Republic side too, it's not just for founders, it's also for investors. So, you know, our whole mission is profit to the people. So, you know, everyday retail investors like me and you, uh, we don't have to be accredited to invest in these awesome deals. And, you know, there's startup deals on our platform. There's real estate, video games, you know, music, so many different new verticals that we are exploring and finding innovative ways to finance. Um, and so, Anyway, that, those are some things that really attracted me to the company. Always had my eye on it, uh, just in general, thought it was a really awesome organization. And then when I started kind of looking for a new job, I had seen a job posting that they had had for a while, but, you know, never applied. It just wasn't right, the right timing and, and things like that. And then, you know, one day I just kind of had one of those epiphany moments and it was, you know, like you're free to move on and to do something new. And I, as soon as I had that moment and received that confirmation from God, I was immediately went to the Republic website. I saw the job posting, uh, you know, wanted to just explore the option. And so I submitted an application to your point about being relational. I had a friend, Bryson Hearn, who shout out to hey, the podcast. My, hey, my I mentioned niece. him and you in my uh, end of year review, my last episode. I was like, this amazing dinner I had in DC that was like the best of my life. Arian, oh. Bryson, Maria, yeah. all this, whatever. So, um, but he is, I mean, he's taught me a lot in life and especially in the startup world. But he was kind enough to, you know, I told him, hey, I'm looking to apply for a job at Republic. And he's in one of the programs that my department actually runs now. And so he knows people there is in their Slack community, you know, was able to send over my resume and at least, you know, put my name out there. And so it's so crazy, the timing actually, you know, that happened on Thursday, Friday, I had our department head, my now boss reached out to me on LinkedIn. Monday, uh, we had an actual interview, Tuesday, I interviewed with my manager, and then Friday, the CEO of our group, and then I got the offer the next Monday. So what it was, the heck? Yeah. Crazy what turnaround. Yeah. Totally a God thing. Crazy turnaround. It just literally was the right opportunity at the exact right time. So, um, yeah, just, yeah. Glory to God. Honestly, I don't, uh, I don't know what to say. Yeah, because also, it, I do want to point out like immediately when you said that you got the epiphany moment where you kind of heard this, like you're released to go pursue another opportunity. You've done good. And like you've served your time here. Um, the first word that came to me was like, wow, that's so obedient that you just immediately went for not just, okay, I'm going to start from the bottom and kind of like see what other, because I, in the past, um, had moments of like big, even still insecurity. And I wouldn't go for like the top dog opportunity that I want most first. And I have had some instances in my life, especially over the last year where I felt like God was really calling me to go speak at more places and guest on other podcasts and whatnot. I did not do that. I only waited for some opportunities to come in from uh, to me 
I, I was not obedient. And you know what? I felt God told me yesterday that was the biggest, like, it felt like a spiritual spanking, honestly. And he said, this slayed me. If Jesus was obedient unto death on a cross, you could be obedient to send an email. I was like, this weird is coming after my life. This is, I felt, wow, I need to repent. Like that, that is, was so lazy of me. And I was not like, honestly, having a heart of service. I was living for my own self-preservation, not making myself uncomfortable to do something that I just genuinely thought would be helpful for other people. So the fact that I hear you have this revelation and you immediately got on the application site, I'm not almost surprised that God was just like, yeah, okay, boom, boom, boom. Next week, here's your cute new offer. Boom. Yeah. Well, so I want to commend you for that, like your faithfulness to take action. Well, thank you. I do appreciate that. And I think you know, also it was so soon after that epiphany that I think I just was going scared. You know, I was like, whatever, like who cares if I don't get this, it literally doesn't matter at all. And, you know, some of my other job searches have been much more calculated, you know, like, okay, I'm looking for this type of job and this, you know, organization and this size and all these things. And this was so much, this was not like that at all. It was literally just like, okay, I know that I have the freedom to leave now. And this is something I've just been interested in. So I'm just going to apply and see what happens. And then like you mentioned, totally, you know, a blessing and just God. And the other thing I would say about this job offer too, is there were things in my heart that I hadn't even like fully articulated right into like an actual prayer or even a list like on my phone, you know, of like, these are the things I want. I mean, there was a couple things that I had written down, but he just really like came in and did more than I could ever ask or imagine. Right. You know, Ephesians and yeah, just blessed me with, you know, like so many things about this job that I have really enjoyed and has just been really amazing in this season of life. So we love to hear it. Love to hear it. So now that what it's been a quarter, I think you told me basically in this new role. So when, before we started recording, we were chatting and, um, I was going to ask you about goals for 2022 and you were like, "Eh, how are thought about them that much. And actually that makes a ton of sense to me because when you're just settling into your first 90 days within an organization, obviously you have a lot to focus on bringing yourself up to speed, integrating with the team, but I'm willing to bet you do have some thoughts. You have some- Give me those dreams, girl. Oh, let me, sorry. I have your LinkedIn pulled up. Let me see what your banner photo is. It says the future belongs to those that believe in the beauty of their dreams. Eleanor Roosevelt. If y'all want to go see a good LinkedIn again, hustle over there. So anyway, tell me about those dreams. Okay. Yes. So no, Kelsey, you're absolutely right. I feel like I haven't done an actual formal goal setting. That's definitely coming down the pipeline, but I did, (laughs) I did take some time to think about some goals in preparation for this. Um, so I do have some short-term and long-term that I'm excited about. So short-term South by Southwest, we are hosting an event. (gasps) What? Here in Austin. Republic is hosting. Oh my gosh. I, I had that website pulled up yesterday. I was like, should I get a ticket for South by? Um, well, now I am. Well, you should definitely come to our happy hour. Um, yes. It's not on the official schedule or anything, but you should definitely stop by. I'm not even buying like a real ticket, but um, 
So anyway, I'm very excited for that. I've always wanted to go to South by never had the chance to go, you know, just college spring breaks and then COVID, I guess. And so we're hosting an event. I'm helping plan that. So super duper excited to just be in Austin, you know, meet new people Come hopefully in real me. life. <laughs> yes, yes. And we can get coffee, which is the best part. Um, so there's that South by uh, just planning that, executing, making it, you know, an awesome event for Republic. And then something else that I am, this is a little more, you know, ambiguous, but some friends and I, DC startup friends and I are trying to put together you know, just more programming and events um, around the DC startup community and just getting people in the same room, whether that's a happy hour or a dinner. So that's some, some things I'm really looking forward to is putting, to putting on some of those events in the new year. And then, oh, one thing that you will also be at, which is so fun, uh, the panel of our business fellows next month. So, it's a panel. I didn't, I literally don't know what's happening <laughs> for that. Have, like, I'm going to see that. And then the, the panel, but Anyway, I can't believe, I guess General didn't tell me what my involvement with that is, but I guess we'll be on that panel together, which is wild. Yes, hopefully I, that would be the goal. Um, so for those that are listening, you know, Business Fellows is a wonderful program at AM that Kelsey and I were both a part of and, you know, have many dear friends. One of two of my roommates actually were in that program as well. Anyway, that is just such a joy of my life to like go back to Maze and speak and share and even just talk with students one-on-one. So super excited to, to be back and business fellows also specifically to, you know, influence so much of my decision-making, um, you know, frameworks, my leadership style, just, you know, so many incredible things. So pumped to be back there. And then one other thing short-term is and this is a good reminder for me to actually meet my deadline, but I'm writing, I'm trying to do a little more writing, um, you know, putting some of these things that we talk about on the podcast, you know, strategies for getting a job, strategies for understanding what role would be a good fit for you, you know, trying to consolidate and put some of those things into writing and put them out into the world. So those are some short-term goals. Um, long-term, yes, there are many, many dreams, but some like major ones that I want to start working towards are real estate. So eventually, oh my gosh, I knew you were going to say that. And I was like, should I just say it on air? Hey, um, just a casual offer. Do you want to like co-invest on a house together in Austin? I feel like that would definitely be in our future. Maybe you flip it yes. like Airbnb property. I think we should do it. Absolutely. No, that, that's, it, that is definitely in the pipeline is, you know, co-invest with friends, you know, have some rental properties, hopefully get a vacation home, you know, things like that. <laughs> do it. Yes. Pick me. So yeah, I'm always, always on Zillow looking. Um, but anyway, so re- real estate is definitely a long-term one, you know, doing investment properties. Um, yeah, just super intrigued by that. Also recently have been intrigued by commercial real estate as well. So mm-hmm. I bought this course on Coursera one night at like midnight and just started learning about, yeah, just, you know, different real estate, commercial, commercial real estate deals. So anyway, that's, you know. I know nothing about that. You're going to have to tell me some things. I learned all about those anchor tenants. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway. <laughs> You're like, it's one day. What am I doing? Planning. But, okay. Real estate. It's a big one. And then my two other like long-term goals that I'm really looking forward to or starting to think about more seriously is potentially going back to grad school. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother conversation, obviously, but just starting to think through my options, if that really is, you know, the right fit for me um, and what I need to do, you know, in order to prepare for something like that. So that's one. And then the other one that is, you know, far 
off, but you got to start, you got to start small is eventually myself becoming an angel investor. Um, so I'm obviously not an accredited, uh, well, not obviously. I mean, there are some very wealthy young 20 year olds, but no, I am what not does one it of those. Take? Uh, what is it for people that aren't familiar, i.e. me, oh, yes. I love it when podcast hosts are like, yeah. So for people who don't know, cause obviously I know everything. <laughs> so what does it take to become an accredited investor? It's definitely a certain amount of net worth that is um, ambitious. No, definitely. So I, and obviously fact check me on this, but to be an accredited investor, you need to have either your net worth has to be over a million and that's excluding your primary residence. So mm-hmm. Uh, net worth of over a million. If you're single, I think you have to be making $200,000, $250,000 a year. Um, and if you're joint, you know, married, it has to be, I believe, 350. So, you know, that's a pretty high salary for anyone. And um, yeah, so that's, that's definitely a goal long-term is to become an accredited investor and, you know, start investing in some of these deals that I'm seeing at Republic, but I don't necessarily have the funds to you know, put my own angel check in. But the great thing about Republic is you can start building your portfolio now with, you know, much smaller check sizes, but still investing in these startups. Um, So that's the short term is to invest more in some of the crowdfunding offerings that we have. The long term is to become an actual angel investor myself. It's so cool learning. And now I think it's the perfect time to learn a little bit more from you about your love of financial empowerment specifically for women and learning about all these just the world that we live in of course there's much to say about it but I think that there's some really cool things that are at our fingertips now of investing in so many different opportunities not just the stock market um, or your retirement funds but uh, crypto real estate short-term long-term rentals commercial uh, now with Republic's work, not just investing in businesses like startups, once you're probably much farther down in your financial or ahead in your financial journey, but democratizing it. And now you could start investing in startups with uh, like small amounts of investments. So there's so much opportunity to make your money work for you, which is what my dad always uh, coined it as because he's a financial advisor. So I feel really lucky that I was kind of um, cued into this at, at a young age that money just sitting in your checking account, you're losing money, especially at our current inflation rate that should alarm you. <laughs> so even just putting it in a um, a savings account, that's basic or a money market account. That's not even growing it that much, but there's these retail, uh, fund. Anyway, I feel like you should talk about it actually more about, um, when you talk about wanting to empower women financially, what are some of the key things that you want women to know about how to handle their money? Ah, okay. So disclaimer again, with what you said at the beginning of this podcast, right? That this is all a journey. So I personally love talking about, you know, finance and, trying to understand the markets and investing in things like that. But I don't have a million dollars sitting in my bank account. I just want to say that out loud because I feel like that's important to know, you know, like I have, you know, however much I have, but it's not. uh, I have what I have. Okay. (laughs) I just feel like that's so important to know. Like for instance, it's not over hundred K. I just want to say that I do not have a net worth over hundred K. Okay. So I think that's just helpful context because what I've realized in personal personal finance, especially with women, is you know it's 
we are so trained to look for like certain goalposts, right? And certain stop signs along the way that measure our success, like taking the SAT, going to a good college, you know, getting a good job, whatever. And personal finance is a lot less like that. There are obviously certain goals you want to hit, you know, make sure you have an emergency fund, make sure you have a retirement account, you know, the basics, cover yourself, obviously don't put yourself in a bind, Mm -hmm. but you know, having a hundred thousand dollars in savings is, would be really great for someone like me, but for someone else, that is not enough for them, right? Like depending on their, uh, level of, you know, lifestyle that might not be, you know, ideal for them. And there are people that have other priorities, right? Some people want to give a lot more through like churches or nonprofits. Um, other people want to invest heavily in real estate and some of these more longer term assets. So, people have lots of different priorities and that is a-okay. You just need to like take stock of yours and build a plan around that. So anything, things I would say to women is, and, and so a couple of friends and I have, you know, hosted different events like this in DC or just even, you know, on zoom calls with one another to figure this stuff out. Right. Because it's all about like demystifying finance. I feel like finance is just so many big words and it's all these terms and nobody really understands. Yeah. And that's not helpful to anybody. So we've just tried to do that through some of these, you know, educational programming, sending each other articles, keeping each other accountable, whatever. But I think what I would say is that, you know, just think about the basic things like, you know, make sure you're maxing out your retirement account, make sure you're saving monthly, make sure that you, you know, are investing, like you said, putting it in a, in a, just a savings account is not really doing you a whole lot of favors. So make sure that you you know, have set aside money to put in an actual investment, a brokerage account. And then also just use this time not to think as something restricting, but to think as money is a resource, right? And we also assign value to it, not just monetarily, but like what money is really freedom, if you think about it. So, you know, the freedom to do what? If you really care about traveling, go save up for your next awesome traveling adventure. If you're a foodie, that's fine. Save up so you know that you can splurge on food and feel good about it and not feel like you're ruining your budget. So all this to say, like, go back to the basics. Investing seems super complicated. It does not have to be. And make sure you have all those like, you know, basics in place before you want to start going and investing in crypto. Not that that's not great. And I'm all for women in crypto, but (laughs) if you don't have a savings account yet and you're not maxing out your retirement, I would start there. First things first. Yeah. Amen. Exactly. I mean, there's so much to be said about finance. And this is something that I want to bring into my podcast conversations more this year, because I recently talked about it on my Instagram that I feel I'm like baby, baby steps of learning more about um, how I handle my finances more proactively and getting more into investing and thinking, having more fun with it too, honestly, because I can just, uh, put it into mutual funds and that's fine. Or the S&P 500, that's going to be fine. But um, like the idea of real estate, it's like a physical representation of where your money is going and growing. So, um, but there's so much to be said for this. And so I started mentioning on my Instagram, hey, would, would you like to come along with me as I learn more about, not that this is a personal finance podcast, but I think it just gives us an opportunity to think about our careers more comprehensively because Maria, what does your career give you? Why do you work? Um, I'm guessing you need some money. And then two, you would like to have it be on the highest end or expression of, 
have it be an expression of your natural talents. And maybe that gives you some confidence. Maybe you have a lot of fun with that, seeing the impact that you make as you are a productive citizen that helps others with what you have to give. And that could be in your nine to five. And that could be in the, like, it doesn't have to take that much time just here and there. Like on a Saturday, you learn about, oh, I'm going to learn how to eventually set up an Airbnb property. That's another concept of, I would feel like that's under the umbrella of my career brain. So I think this is a fun new way dimension to talk about at, with Answer the Call, because ultimately my vision is if more people pursue, I mean, the flashiest concept is like the fire, like financial independence, retire early. But if you're learning how to diversify your income and have more passive income streams, ultimately, I think that frees up your time to have even more autonomy and creativity in how you spend your time doing what you truly feel called to do, like no more and no less. And I think that can sound like, oh, so bratty, but honestly, all this is just the result of proactively exercising wisdom. I think that's it. So I'm big on thriving is not selfish. Thriving is the result, practical result of exercising wisdom. That's my hot take. That was a lot of words. What do you think? No, I totally agree. And it's really interesting, you know, the relationship between work and money and, you know, you're absolutely right. I think when I think about a lot of these, you know, entrepreneurs or even friends that I have that like, don't really like their jobs. Right. It's not that they actually hate working. It's that they're in jobs that they cannot express the fullest of their gifts, you know, in the world, or they aren't working in a job that's necessarily, you know, a cause that they really care about and they feel personally attached to. Um, and obviously entrepreneurship is one way to do that. You know, you just start working on something that, you know, you care about and you want to bring into the world. But in a general sense, I think it's super important to, you know, when you think about like personal finance, Another thing that we would do at BGV, which I think this is important for everyone to understand as well, is your relationship with money, because that's what really dictates your behavior. And I read this book over the break, Nudge, and it's all about how, you know, how can we, how can we be choice architects, right? And like help people make better choices in the way that we present them. And this is all about the markets too, right? When you look at the markets, you see like a million options, a million mutual funds you could invest in, but money, how you spend your money and how you invest your money is really dictated by like the relationship that you have with money and how you view, you know, do you view money as like a means to an end? Do you view it as a vehicle in which you can create change in the world? Um, and then also understanding the behaviors you have and the patterns that you have of how you spend your money, how you invest. And I guess the other thing I would add on this train is, and I'm still working through this, like I'm not the most generous person, obviously. And that's something I've been working on in my own heart. But I will say it is so true that it is really is more blessed to give than to receive. Yes. And anytime I've had an experience like that, I'm like, oh, I want to work harder so I can keep yeah. giving away more money because it really yeah. is like the most freeing thing um, to not be chained to your money, but to be proactive in your wisdom so yes. that you can actually be free and use it as a resource, you know, to bless others and to, to thrive yourself. And in turn, you're thriving you know, is activating like your highest sense of purpose and calling to serve those in the world that you care about. Oh, we're on the same page. I, yeah, generosity excites me so much. I get so amped up by it that like on my vision board for the year, 
I was like, uh, honestly, I want to get to the point where I want to help my, I'm not at this point. Okay. I'm not, but I just thought, man, my friend has always been talking about wanting to go to Israel. And there's like this, uh, tour that I know he would love. And I, I just wanted to get it for him. Like that's, I feel like those moments of generosity that I hope to have, and I've had some like big things like that in the past that I've gotten to be a part of, but those are the most meaningful, some of the most meaningful moments in your life. And it's such a gift and so exciting. So I think uh, this is another way of approaching the point in the conversation that I hope to encourage people with that when you get let's say ambitious with money I want Christians to be a lot more comfortable with that conversation because look at what it could do for others it's amazing so anyway I this is a little bit of a hard pivot but one I definitely don't want to miss at all um because I'm so curious about your opinion on it when um I look at your uh, career progression I'll say again on LinkedIn. So um, that's everybody's virtual resume that's to the public. Your positions have an average of six to 12 months that, and there's not extra context on the fact that your first job out of college was a defined one year term fellowship. Um, And then you spent six months for a summer or two seasons, technically, um, working creatively for another entrepreneur. And then you went to DC and all that was really planned out. But I think people get so freaked out about the perception that somebody could possibly have at any point in history that you were a job hopper. And that you just skipped around and were only staying six months to a year. So can we have you on the record? Has that ever held you back? And has it ever been brought up in interviews of like what asking about the length of your terms of employment? Yes. No, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. And I was, you know, thinking about this before the podcast and no, it has never oh been my brought gosh. up. Yeah, it has never been brought up in an interview at all. I mean, of course, you know, at the beginning, you always give your like kind of spiel and maybe they ask what you're looking for in a new job or why you're leaving. But I've never had anyone ask specifically, like, why did you only stay for, you know, six months or a year or anything like that? I think so. I guess to add on to that, though, you know, sometimes I volunteer that information just because Mm -hmm. like some of those things, like you mentioned, were very planned out. And, you know, I really did have a one year fixed term in this certain job. And so, I definitely volunteer that information if I think it's helpful to the conversation or beneficial, but no, I've never been asked in an, in an interview, anything about my specific timeline job-wise. And I would say to your point about, you know, what do you think about this in general? Oh my gosh, if you have an amazing opportunity in front of you and you are just worried and you're making, that's just making a decision out of fear, right? Mm-hmm. If you're worried that this, you know, decision to leave your job or do something new, Um, if the only thing holding you back is other people's perception of you, like that in itself is something that I would definitely encourage people to like, take a serious, you know, look at and just understand is this, is this decision based in fear or truth? Because in some industries, there is a legitimate reason to stay for an, for a year. Like if you're in a rotational program or, you know, something like that, where it really does make sense, like, you know, just career-wise or with your specific job or boss or some skills that you're learning or a big project, like that's a legitimate possible reason to stick around for a certain fixed period of time. 
But if you're solely making a decision out of other people's perception of you, number one, they're not going to be doing your job. So you're going to be doing your job. So you need to think for yourself, you know, like, is this an amazing opportunity that I could see myself thriving in? Then move on. And also I would say number one or number two, it is a candidate's market out there. So people are- It is. Oh my gosh. They're, okay. The stats just got renewed 11 million job openings, 7 million active candidates. What the flip- are you doing if you're sitting in your job knowing like, oh man, it kind of seems like it'd be nice to up-level this situation just to be bold and two-dimensionalize that situation. Um, but it's true. Gosh, continue that point. Yeah, it's a candidate's market right now. Okay, yes. Yeah. So it is 1,000% a candidate's market right now. And, you know, I think there, there definitely was an argument for that, those types of more rigid structures of time periods in the past, but we live in this amazing, you know, virtual world where you can get a job anywhere, you can work at any company doing whatever you want, essentially, obviously with the caveat that this is for people that have been very privileged and blessed to like have an education and certain things that like, that's definitely worth honoring. I'm not trying to say that you can just like anybody ever could just pick up and do whatever they want. I think that's kind of short-sighted, but you know, people that are listening to this podcast probably are those types of people that like have, you know, that amazing blessing to be able to, you know, do this in the current day. So yeah, I think, you know, it's awesome. And I think it's definitely worth, okay. Another thing I would say in evaluating if you're going to stay or leave, which I stole this from Claire Robbie. So another shout out to a wonderful human being that's also been on this podcast, but something that Claire, you know, really encouraged me to do. And this was kind of the period of time before I actually left my job at BGB was to understand and, you know, realize like, what am I, what am I doing in my current job or my current position? You know, what am I missing? Like, what am I not learning? What are those things that I want to learn before I leave? Who are those people I want to get to know? Like what, what's right in front of me that I have access to now before I just leave and drop and jump to the next job. Right. Because even if you're in a place that maybe isn't a great situation for you or whatever, I guarantee you, you can learn from everyone that you work with. And, you know, whether it's just like the suite of technology that you use, like that's going to be helpful. in your next on on learning or meeting those people before I decide to move into a new role. Oh, dog, I am taking notes. <laughs> that thank you so much for everything that you shared. I suspected this would be a highly energizing and just fire knowledge. <laughs> conversation that made no sense but you get what I mean I was picturing a lot of fire emojis in my mind but I realized that until Neuralink gets distributed again referencing back to all those Elon Musk interviews I just listening listened to currently nobody could see the emojis in my mind so um, I'll have to learn to articulate uh, my affirmation for this conversation a little bit more eloquently so Ah, just thank you so much for being here and for kicking off kind of this new trend of more casual career check-ins and checkups and for sharing the lessons that you've gleaned over the last year or so since you've been on the podcast. And so I'll have to catch up with you uh, next year too with what you learned. Sounds great. No, Kelsey, I 
so appreciate you having me here. And, you know, this has just been a good exercise for me personally to reflect and think about how much has changed, right? You know, we talked, we recorded a podcast together, my first job out of college, and now I'm on my fourth, which is crazy. <laughs> and um, crazy. yeah, anyway, I would also just share one other resource before yeah. we hop off, but I've read a book, I've read it twice now, and it's called In But Not Of by Hugh Hewitt. And it just talks about Christian ambition and what that looks like. Um, it's a quick read. And yeah, that's, that's been really helpful for me in understanding like the balance between, you know, ambition and submitting all those things to the Lord and also what it means to have influence. If you are in the marketplace and you're not in full-time ministry, I mean, we're all in ministry, of course, but like what that really means, um, and how building influence is not a bad thing. It's actually can be like leverage for the kingdom. So I would just recommend that. I mean, who else is supposed to have influence? I don't like Right. God doesn't want that. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So that's, that's been helpful for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for that book recommendation. I should have asked, actually, that was one of my questions. Um, if you'd like to share it, any of the, any other people, authors, podcasters, YouTubers, whatnot that you've been learning from lately. Yeah. Okay. So the book for sure uh, there's a woman here in uh, DC named Molly Kane. She's actually an Aggie as well. She actually is now number two in innovation at the treasury. Super Girl. amazing woman. And I've just been learning a lot from her about, you know, community building and events and yeah, just curating these spaces that people can interact that maybe don't know each other, but it brings these really beautiful connections out. So she hosts these dinners, they're called deviant dinners, and she does them, she's done them all over the country, but she's starting one here. And, you know, everybody pays their way, and everyone is there to genuinely connect, you know, it's not a sales dinner, and you just get to meet all these incredible people in the like government, you know, tech ecosystem. And so she's one person that's been really inspiring me. Uh, all my team members at Republic, honestly, I mean, the, the greater Republic team, of course, but my specific team is just some really wonderful women. I work with three amazing women, Amora Miller, Heather, uh, Heather Bufo, and then Cheryl Campos. And Cheryl started VC Familia. She's very involved in, you know, getting underrepresented founders and investors active. And she's just, you know, incredible. And Heather has just spearheaded this program and learned so much about investing in yeah, just as a manager has taught me a lot about balance and um, how to prioritize, you know, the things that I need to do. And Amora is just my partner in crime. And she's taught me all the ops things, which is helping me hashtag hack my life. And um, one more person that is uh, coinciding with uh, business fellows and also my job at Republic is Eduardo Zaldivar. Uh, hi, um, Eddie. What's up also has been on the podcast. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm really just trying to be super coy about the fact that pretty much everybody's an Aggie who comes yeah, on the show. Yeah. No, so we had a really great conversation a couple of weeks ago. He's in the program that I'm helping run here at Republic. And I just admire the heck out of him. I think he's you know, so disciplined, so just thoughtful in the way that he, you know, pursues his career, pursues God, pursues, you know, excellence and ambition and all these things. So definitely shout out to Eduardo. And then one last book that I I have not finished, I want to be totally transparent about that, but I am reading and it has been really inspiring, is A More Beautiful Question. It's all about, you know, the power of like question asking and inquiry to create innovation. And they use a lot of different case studies from, you know, startups and different companies where they took a look at and reframed the way that they were asking questions and even just the process of getting to the right answer. And so that's one that I think I've been learning a lot from. It's kind of my airplane read as of lately. So 
there's a million people out there, but I would definitely shout out like these few books and people specifically that I've been, you know, really encouraged or learned from lately. Oh man. I'm so glad that we fit that in at the end of the episode because I second, well, especially all of our mutual contacts. And I really want to look into those books, especially a more beautiful question because a quote that I've really tucked away as a kind of a mantra, I just repeat to myself a lot is the quality of the questions you ask yourself determines Determines the quality quality of your life. Yeah. It determines the quality of your life. It really does because the assumptions we're operating on, if not challenged, will take us on, you know, whatever trajectory they point towards, probably not a great one if it's just on autopilot. So yeah, consider the questions you're asking yourself and ask a more beautiful question. Thank you so much, Maria. And you know, I'll be talking to you soon, especially at the fellows meeting and South by Southwest. Bye, Gelsey. Thank you. Ah, so incredible okay all the resources that maria mentioned you could find linked below in the show notes you could also follow me on instagram at kelsey underscore the called career where you'll find more behind the scenes and regular career tips as well as some fun reels of course linkedin is another favorite platform where you could see me post about my latest speaking engagements some of which are free and open to the public two of which actually are with general assembly there are two panels that i'm doing with them this next month. So go check that out and keep up with me on LinkedIn at Kelsey Kemp, as well as Maria. She shares so many incredible things, including really, really neat job opportunities from her extensive network that she publishes and posts about regularly on her LinkedIn. So go on there. And also if you're a high performing Christian professional who's interested in making a meaningful career move in the next three to six months, whether that's landing a job at a company you admire or pivoting into a new career path altogether, you could apply for a free 60 minute career strategy session with me at kelseykemp.com slash services. That link of course is below. This program is selective and spots are limited to five new clients a month, but start by going to kelseykemp.com services to learn more about if this is for you and to apply for your free 60 minute career strategy session with me to get you set up with actionable takeaways, whether or not we decide to work together. All right. I hope that you have a great week. Subscribe to answer the call and I will see you here next Tuesday.